Welcome to Foibles, where my mom and I record conversations we have anyway. I'm Zoe. I'm Zoe's mom. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have a name. It's Frida. <laughs> babe! Babe! We want babe! Welcome to Foibles. Today, Zoe and I, Rita, are going to talk about books and movies all in one. We're going to cover Babe the Gallant Pig by Dick Kingsmith and that uh, little chapter book novel. It's really a chapter book for not even middle schoolers, but more like um, more advanced early readers. Uh, And that was published in 1983. We're going to talk about its film adaptation, Babe, which I think pretty much everybody hopefully has seen because it's a fantastic film. And that was adapted and filmed in 1995. And then we will also talk about the sequel to that film called Babe, Pig in the City, which came out in 1998. I saw both of them as a child. Obviously you did not because you were not a child when they came out. <laughs> That's right. But, I was uh... a, I was a full-grown adult with a child when we saw it. And I'm, we saw it together. I, I know I showed it to you. Do you and... think uh, we saw it in the theater together? or Yes. I'm sure we did. Mm. Well, let's see. You were born in 1993. Mm -hmm. The film came out in 1995. So no, we did not see Babe in the theater together. I never saw Babe, Pig in the City. So if you saw it, it was at a friend's house or... I saw it in the theater. I have a vague recollection. Maybe it was with a summer camp or a friend group. But I'd never seen Babe, Pig in the City. That was new to me in this go-round. And neither one of us had ever read the book. But that said, Babe was a cornerstone of my childhood. Movie watching, we had the VHS... It probably pretty much is for anybody of your generation. What what are you? You're an Xer, a Gen no Gen Zer. What are you? Millennial. You're a millennial. Okay, for millennials and uh, for most of their parents, because parents tend to see the same thing as their kid, maybe not quite as many times, but <laughs> um, yeah. And we owned a VHS copy of it, which you played. I know you had your friends over and you would watch it and so forth. So again, we're going to give you the warning right up front. We are going to spoil every aspect of the film and book. We will talk about any anything and everything that we think is interesting and pertains. Uh, so if you haven't seen it or read it and don't want to hear, please go ahead and see and read and then come back and we, we will talk about it. Okay, now that you're back, I want to start with the book, I think. You want to take a stab at it? Sure, yeah. Um, the The film is actually a pretty direct adaptation of the yeah. book. Um, Plot-wise, And yeah. it, it's interesting to go back and read the book because it is the source material, but there are aspects that are very different from the film. So Babe is a, a wee little pig who, by luck and circumstance, gets chosen to go to the country fair. And he is won in a competition at the country fair by Farmer Hoggett, who takes him home and maybe thinks of raising him for Christmas dinner. And Babe meets and befriends the uh, dog, the sheepdog on the farm and a bunch of other animals. And the sheepdog being a lovely maternal creature takes him in as her own. And then he is an ambitious, smart, intelligent little pig who wants to learn how to herd sheep, which he does through kindness and through direct communication. He becomes an amazing sheep herder because all he has to do is talk to the sheep and ask them to do what he wants and they follow suit and so he becomes an unlikely sheep herding pig who goes on to win the national championships and that is babe in a nutshell did Um, i do pretty good (laughs) i think you did okay i tried not to get distracted no that was excellent that was excellent (laughs) congratulations my darling in your synopsis your synopsical foray there the story is very straightforward it's a sweet little tale uh basically 
it, it sees the entire circumstance through the eyes of Babe, through the animal's eyes, and the film does that as well. The humans, though, play an even uh, lesser role in the book. It really is an, a, a farm-focused, animal-focused story, and it, and it is quite straightforward with Babe having the ambition. It's a, it's a morality tale, essentially, yeah. about differentness and about how we might see someone as different, but really they are part of us, they are the same. Not to limit one's own ambitions or the ambitions of others by what you see or your preconceptions about what they can do. And that really is the, the central focus of the book. And also about honoring differentness and being respectful of differentness. And that comes out in various ways, particularly as Zoe was saying about Babe being able to just ask for the sheep to do things rather than chasing them and biting at their heels as the sheepdogs do, nipping them and growling and barking, which the sheep don't like. Right. They really, really dislike it. And the dogs thinking that the sheep are stupid and the sheep thinking that the dogs are cruel. And Babe comes in is into that space in between, that rift between the two groups. And he actually will listen to the sheep. He will talk to them. He will be polite. He will uh, care about their feelings and what they're going through. And in response to that, they really are willing to cooperate with Babe. They are willing to do what Babe needs them to do. And the dogs just don't get it. The dogs go, they're stupid, don't even try. So it's a very classist, I think, that that comes out in the movie. But in the book, it's really just about being kind, being nice, being polite. The other thing that uh, happens during the book is that Babe, not only is he kind and polite, but he shows that he has metal. He has real courage and is willing to fight for protection of his friends. And when some rogue dogs come through and threaten them or the rustlers come and try and steal the sheep, Babe is there saving the flock and earning his stripes with the farmer. And the farmer begins to see Babe because he's a gallant pig. Yeah, so he um, he fights a bit more in the book than he does, which makes sense because he has to be a cute little pork chop in the movie the whole time. But <laughs> real pigs grow to be quite large and quite strong, and so he defends the sheep um, physically. And then he also, in the book, because they didn't want to waste a lot of scenes on this in the movie, he trains incredibly diligently. So it's about he's uh, managing his diet. He's <laughs> running up the hill five or six times a day in order to be fit. Yeah, and yeah, and he's practicing of herding the sheep and practicing what the runs will be. The farmer uh, Hoggett does come into it a little bit and does do some training with him and, and helps him practice. But Farmer Hoggett really is just sort of one of those humans, like in the Peanuts cartoons, where you don't really see the people; you just hear them go blah 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 blah. It's not quite as bad as that, but the farmer and his wife are fairly minor characters really in the story although the wife plays a bigger story than in the movie uh, because she's the first one who sees babe for what he is she's the first one who says that pig is not going to be a pork chop that pig is brave you know and, and to value babe and that's that's an interesting little twist there because in the book the maternal and and feminine side really it, he shows them to be more perceptive and more supportive. In the book, there's only one sheepdog, one adult sheepdog, and that's Fly, the female, the, the female dog who has several puppies to begin with. 
and she's very phlegmatic. She has had many litters. Her puppies always were sold away to be sheepdogs on other farms. And that's like a source of pride that her line is going forth and being great sheepdogs. And so when all her puppies leave, all she has is Babe. Babe's the only one left. And so he becomes her pup, so to speak. And she's training him how to be a sheepdog. And her encouragement and her growth through Babe, her growth of seeing the sheep as beings, as sentient beings, through Babe's intercession, Babe's um, explanation, uh, is actually the core of the book, the mother-son love and the uh, growth of the dog to understand how to treat these sheep, much more so than the movie. That's one thing that I like about, that I think comes through in both the book and the movie is the theme is, you know, non-prejudice or unlearning certain prejudices. But I think also the writing of the characters is very non-prejudicial because, for example, no tension comes up with Babe. He understands that his mom is kind of racist against sheep or what have you, but like he just kind of works with her and they work through it eventually. And so we do recommend this book for young readers. And if you're older, you might enjoy it too. I mean, it's pretty light. It's pretty easy reading. You can certainly read it in an hour and a half, you know, easily. Yeah, I just sat down and read it in a single sitting. Um, yeah, it doesn't take very long. And it's sweet. And it was written by a farmer too. So yeah. the real love of the farm comes through. Yes, yes, definitely. And knowledge of the farm without it being didactic in any way. So there's not, you know, detailed things about how to bring in the hay or anything like that that in some books you see. But yes, it, it, it you really do feel it grounded. And I would say it's a great pairing if you're going to get maybe a couple books for somebody for Christmas with Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Two, be two pigs. All about pigs. <laughs> yeah, all about pigs, but all about heart and love and friendship and caring. And th- these are the kinds of books that, uh, you know, that just make you, just touch your heart. Yeah, we will have to do Charlotte's Web. Oh, yes. Oh, anyway, I love, I mean, I read Charlotte's Web for the first time as an adult. I didn't even read oh, one. Wow. Well, as a young adult, a very young adult, but not as, a, not as a young child. And I loved it so much. Anyway, we're getting off topic. So, moving on. Do we get to talk about the movie now? To that'll the favorite the, part, the movie! The babe! Five out of five stars! <laughs> I could give it six if I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be the bulk of the podcast here. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, well, they did an adaptation that is just phenomenal. Chris Noonan and George Miller, George Miller being the very famous director who recently did uh, Mad Max Fury Road, that George Miller, he actually, hard to believe, adapted uh, this book along with Chris Noonan, and they did a fantastic job of uh, bringing this book to life. They added so much to it without, while, while still honoring the spirit and the content of the book. It's a great adaptation, one of the best I've seen. I agree, yeah. And starting with maybe with something so simple, they were really able to just take a few elements and weave them in where they wanted them. They bring in a few characters, the duck, Ferdinand, as the comic relief, who really works in the first one. Um, So the plot is the same, so we don't need to go over the plot, basically. But the... The film uh, shifts the focus in many ways, and it layers many different philosophies and points of view into the film in a in a with a I think a delicacy. I mean, it, it's right there, up front sure. and center. It's a but, children's movie, yeah, children's movie. But it again, there's nothing pedantic or didactic or, or or dogmatic about it at all. 
but essentially it shifts the primary relationship from babe and fly his his dog mom it's still there it's still tender it's still sweet but the primary emotional uh, nexus is between babe and farmer hoggett now and the the relationship that grows and the issues that arise some very fundamental issues that arise around meat eating and you know people eating pigs that come from the bond that they have and the issues that arise for babe do you think we should just go into that right now or yeah sure okay well there's uh, one of the tropes of this uh film (laughs) exemplified by (laughs) the line christmas is carnage christmas is carnage is the killing and eating of of sentient creatures of animals and of course these animals are anthropomorphized so they they speak even though the people don't understand they hear animal language but among the animals they all speak with each other and they are um, deeply feeling and have individual personalities and as we do know pigs are highly intelligent and very sensitive animals actually and then we have Ferdinand the duck and I don't know if ducks are particularly sensitive or not but he certainly is in the movie and then there are the cows and the dogs and everything and for Babe, he loves Farmer Hoggett. And he's there and he's wanting to be a contributing member to the farm community. And so he's really working hard to be a sheep pig. And he bonds with the farmer and they trust the farmer. And then one day he learns from the cat. The cat who's a caddy, a very yeah. catty cat. <laughs> that the, the dogs are dogmatic and the cat is catty. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And the cat basically informs him that, well, the only he has no actual function on the farm. Look at it. You don't have function. He says, because nor, pigs don't usually herd sheep. Animals that don't have any function are animals that are eaten. And that becomes a blow that just pushes Babe into the depths of depression. I mean, Babe can't eat, can't sleep. He he's, falls into a, a pit around the fact that Farmer Hoggett eats pigs. Which I mean, that's pretty sad. hard to reconcile, yeah. It is, it is. And they don't reconcile it in the movie, really. Right. They reconcile the two characters because um, Farmer Hoggett connects with Babe and he gets that Babe is sad. I, he, he somehow understands that he needs to extend himself emotionally to Babe. And the song that Zoe said. Can we talk about that song, that scene later? I feel like it's so emotional. I want to talk about it later. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll um, work up to it. Yeah. Because it is, it is, yeah, it's the, it's the, key emotional scene of the of the film but so, anyway we'll just say that farmer hoggett is able to reach out and connect with babe and so babe revives and they go on together but the issue of eating animals is never resolved which is a very sophisticated way of approaching this and i honestly think that it is sophisticated because it was successful because there was the, there was no like concrete data online but you know according to wikipedia a significant number of people became vegetarians because of this movie mm-hmm. the lead actor became a vegetarian or a vegan vegan because of this movie james cromwell so the movie resolved uh, the question about eating animals external to itself uh, i think that that touches on one of the interesting aspects of the film that's really well done which is i mean the subject matter is it takes place on a farm and one of the conflicts is the fact that certain animals are slaughtered and eaten. Um, and so there's a um, morbidity to the movie or it, it deals with 
starts um, that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The very opening scene has to do with Babe's mother being taken away. Well, there's so many overlayered references in this movie that, that are woven in so beautifully. Um, the opening is reminds me of Bambi in that Babe's mother is, even though she isn't killed on screen, we know that she's slaughtered for uh for her meat at some point so babe goes on kind of as an orphan alone and they don't dwell on it and it goes by pretty fast so it's not too intense but but children will feel it i mean they will notice that and and they're making this statement using this kind of fairy tale trope or story trope of the of the missing mother or the mother that's taken away so that morbidity is right there right at the beginning but the movie is so i think that it it lends ballast to the delight and the joy and the lightness of the movie as well and the sweetness of the movie it would be cloying if that morbidity weren't there so they work very very well with that as a kid who grew up watching it I can definitely say that it didn't lend me any psychological damage and that the movie <laughs> overall is very healing and so it's good it is good to have those aspects to it and then we also see that babe you know finds other mother figures within the film so that's a theme as well right right and then the farm itself is sort of an antidote to Animal Farm, the George Orwell story about the farm that devolves into a basically a dictatorship with the pigs at the top. And in this case, the pig, the top pig being Babe, ultimately, is a really a sort of a socialist leader who is working for the good of all versus dictating. To right. others. The dogs are the sort of, um, they rule by dominance and aggression. And, and Babe comes in and turns the entire farm on its head. Um, Into a cooperative. Right. <laughs> which brings me to one of my favorite um, themes in the movie, which is, uh, I was re, I saw this a ton as a child, but then many years went by and I rewatched it with some friends last year during the big snowstorm. And, you know, we were probably all sitting around drinking wine, watching Babe or something. And I was just like, oh my God. Babe is a an antidote to masculine toxil, uh, tox, wait. toxicity. <laughs> toxic masculinity. Babe is all about uh, unlearning toxic masculinity or providing an alternative to that because there's the other character that doesn't exist in the book that's in this movie, the other sheepdog, Rex, who is the master, ch- the champion, the, the, the patriarch. Alpha yeah, sure, he, li- he always listens to the boss. Well, actually, I would say that Farmer Hoggett is is the uber alpha male. He's, and he also is a antidote to the ta- toxic masculinity because both Babe and the farmer are um, they're leaders. I mean, they both are people that you know, they everyone listens to. Everyone listens to the boss, but Babe works his way up, and he becomes someone that the sheep will obey. People will listen to what Babe has to say, and so it'd be very easy for them to flip over into being dictatorial and always making sure to have things their own way. And the farmer in particular, because he comes in already at the top as, as the alpha human. And the, you can see the farmer watching the animals, looking at the animals and seeing who they are. And then working with that. For example, he sees Babe herding the chickens and dividing them into the, the white chickens on one side and the brown chickens on the other and sort of grouping them. And and he go, and so he gets an idea about what Babe could do. And, he, he, and it's only because he's sensitive and intuitive, which are considered to be quote-unquote feminine qualities, 
that he met that he merges with his masculine authority that he then can see what babe's talents are and then is flexible enough to go against the grain go against what people would think he's crazy and to t make use of that and to fulfill babe's destiny for help him fulfill his destiny and so that's an example of really positive masculine um, action in the world and and babe as well yeah so i love babe i'm devoted to babe i think babe is uh totally a great example to be shown to young children about like this is how you can be both you know uh, a, a leader and a group part of the group right right and um and actively encourage people to uh, put aside their biases and and work together one of the first relationships that babe makes on the farm is with this like sick sickly old sheep who's been taken in to receive some medicine or something what's and your name ma <laughs> so you have it right in the name ma she's a mother or a grandmother type figure to him and so he um, he ends up speaking to her and they form a relationship and she thinks he's just such a nice young pig um, and that he shouldn't be like the sheep, sheep dogs and that they're cruel and everything. Um, but he forms a relationship with her and promises to visit her in the field. So I would say Ma is the other uh, mother figure to Babe next to Fly. And so he also unites by being this like, you know, male figure with these two mother figures from d opposite sides. He kind of unites them together. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's, he stands in that space between the, the, that space created by the lack of understanding that each side has of the other and their inability. And he creates the bridge for them, which is really what a leader. Right. And he's never do. judgmental about it either. No. You know, he's no. never like, ah, come on, fly. Like you're so. Get over it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, he does. And he loves fly a lot. And, and fly loves him. She's, she's a very devoted mother to him. And she stands with him really against Rex in a way, mm -hmm. in terms of giving him hints and protecting him and standing as a... a, a Mediating between them. Between yeah. them. And ultimately, Rex, we, we find out the reason for Rex's toxicity, essentially, his anger, his violence in some cases. And he gets in a lot of trouble because he does almost bite Farmer Hoggett, and, or he does bite him. That's, that's bad news that's for a dog. That's really bad news. Yeah. And, but, but, but again, Hoggett doesn't just make a de determination, a snap judgment, decides it's a bad dog, whatever, or, or get angry, so angry that he punishes the dog. He becomes thoughtful, and he he, he does have to restrain Rex and put a muzzle on him, but he does watch him and tries to figure out what's going on. And what we learn is that Rex has become deaf and he cannot hear the master's commands. And so Fly is actually carrying Rex. She's making sure to indicate to him what the master is asking or uh, Rex is like looking in, as lip, they're running in the field, herding the sheep, yeah, you know, far lip, away from the farmer. Right. And lip or lip reading if he has to or whatever. She's basically carrying him and helping him continue to be a functioning dog. And in a way, she is helping him save face and protecting his ego by um, making sure that nobody, you know, she's not she's making sure nobody knows she's doing it. Mm -hmm. So it touches on um, disability and um, pride and emasculation and pride. Um, Farmer Hoggett does not allow Rex to be, they, the doctor recommends that he is, um, neutered. Is that the right term mm -hmm. for male dog? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he's neutered and Farmer Hoggett says like, no, no, he's a breeding dog. We can't do that. And, um, eventually Rex is rehabilitated and able to like rejoin the farm, even though he doesn't herd anymore, but he also accepts that. 
Right, he accepts that where he's moved to and uh, in its function in the farm, and that Babe is now the primary sheep herder because Fly also is getting old. So there are so many things to this film. Like uh, it's beautiful too. It's really well shot. The well, scenes. you need to talk about your other theme that you love, which is the socialism aspect. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, well, so it seems really clear that the the sheep, once we go to visit them in the field, they work as a body and they make they're, decisions only collaboratively. So they're collective, essentially. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so you know, uh, Babe shows up, and uh, and they all form a circle and mutter to themselves nice young pig like (laughs) shall we do what he says and then um and then they decide to follow after he asks uh you know would you madams be so kind as to come into the circle or what have you um they decide to follow that and then eventually when babe is going to the big competition he's dealing with strange sheep who don't know him and babe goes to the sheep and because he was kind to Ma, the sheep as a group begin to see him in a different way. But they all confer, like you're saying, they all um, check in with each other before they agree that they will do what Babe says. They will follow Babe's commands. And the farmer finds that Babe is very efficient. He's not as fast as the dogs, but he's much more efficient than the dogs. So ultimately, when Babe has to go to the final competition, uh, he's dealing with strange sheep. He's dealing with sheep who don't know him, and they've never seen a, a sheep pig before, and they think it's ridiculous, and they uh, they expect to be nipped at and and corralled by the dogs. And so, what? Then this is where the the gap closes between the between the sheep and the dogs. Right. There's like a pivotal moment for a lot of the themes and this is the pivotal theme. Right. Between the sheep and the dogs. Where the, where the, the, that closes, at least on the farm, on Farmer Hoggett's ideal farm, where, so it's Rex who runs back to the farm during the competition, goes back to the sheep that he knows and he has to swallow his pride. He has to let go of his ego and he has to ask for help from the sheep from these, these beings that he thought were lo- much lower than him, that he trod on, that he nipped at, that he, that he cursed at. And now he's got to, lo- in his eyes, lower himself to asking for their help. And he does so on behalf of Babe. And so this is the healing moment uh, on the farm with all the animals. And the sheep decide to help him. And what they explain to him is that there is a password. <laughs> It isn't a word, actually. It's a, it's a, it's a phrase. It's a poem. <laughs> it's a, a little poem, shall we say, where um, if, if Babe can say it, and this is another theme that's so beautifully woven in, Babe can go from being outside to being inside. And so it really is about, the, um, about groups and tribes and the boundaries around them, and, and that sometimes those, those uh, boundaries can be fluid, and sometimes they're not. And in order to protect themselves groups create um well uh, code switching where you can you'll speak a certain way inside and you know that if people don't speak that way they're not part of your group so you're able to decide whether to let them in or not and in this case um the sheep decide that babe is worthy he's earned it and they are willing to trust rex enough that's that's a key point they're willing to give it to the to a dog right exactly after he swears, he won't tell anybody else. <laughs> right. And uh, and he takes it back so that Babe can then speak the language of the sheep and in a way that they can hear and are willing to cooperate with. And, of course, that famous yeah. poem is, 
Ba-ram you. Ba-ram you. To your sheep, to your breed, to your flock. Be no, no, true. no. It's to your fleece. Oh, okay. <laughs> to your fleece, to your flock, to your tribe. Be true. Okay. See, we didn't even know it. Yeah, that's fine. No sheep are going to do what we say. The key point is Bahram you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> key thing. Key thing. And once Babe has this key, he's able to, in a just a, a wonderfully funny scene. So it's just dry and, and and adorable. He gets the sheep to do exactly as he says, and it's very, very, very clear that somehow they have these are real sheep. This is these are these are not animatronic sheep. They have somehow like connected them, like tied them together side by side. So as they're moving, they're exactly next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> they're walking in these little steps and they walk around <laughs> it's really, really funny. Yeah, the grand competition and so he takes them through the entire course and the entire audience of hundreds or a thousand people or whatever is completely silent the whole time after they have been hooting and jeering and laughing and thinking this is so ridiculous and the i think now is the time to talk about james cromwell who Mm -hmm. is farmer hoggett really there's farmer hoggett mostly his wife Mm -hmm. she's great she's great and then his family visits his children and grand they're very minimally involved so it's really those two humans and all the rest are pretty much the animals and then, of course, these groups of people at the show who are laughing and think it's ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, Babe starts to herd the sheep, and it's dead silence. But in the middle of this stands James Cromwell as the farmer, doing nothing. He's just standing there silently like a statue as Babe is doing the work that he's been trained to do. And Cromwell, what did I say, he's 6'5 or 6'6? Six, six, six. Six. He's 6'6, six, six, so he's and thin. Mm-hmm. So he's a thin reed of a man who's six six standing there with kind of a large nose and a craggy face and a and he's wearing a cap. I love his name. It's uh, Arthur Hoggett, which I think is a perfect marriage of like this this nobility, <laughs> this like Arthurian you know name, and a Hoggett, which is just a quintessential farm name. Like what could be more and, salt of the earth and a hog, right? It's a pig name, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly right. And James Cromwell, as I was saying, I'm going to say right now, I love James from what I know of him as a person as well as an actor. He's an activist. He's 86 now, and he's still an act. He's still, I think. Uh, for at the time of this uh, recording, I think just six months or a year ago, he was arrested again for uh, protesting. Climate strike or something? Yeah, it was a climate thing. And he was, uh, he's, he's an activist, and he became a, an ethical vegan after this film. It brought him to realize that... that Talk about method acting. Yeah, totally. And he also, uh, this was very interesting, his father, uh, also James Cromwell was a screenwriter and actor and he was blacklisted in the 50s by the HUAC and the McCarthy era. And so it makes so much sense that Cromwell is an activist, is such an activist, that he would be so politicized after having that happen to his father. Because Cromwell would have been alive then. He was born, I think I think it said in the thing, he was born in 19, well, what would it be? He's 86 or whatever, 1940, 1942, something like that. So he would have been aware. He remembered the impact yeah. of... Um, on his his family yeah so anyway that's James Cromwell and he is he's a marvelous actor because he's so craggy uh, that when he softens it just it's emotional oh my gosh it's so (laughs) emotional and he's very quiet in fact when he was uh, in this film on the two hands you could count the number of lines he had in the whole film and yet he won no, he didn't win. No, he didn't win. He was nominated for the Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. With so few lines. But what happened was when he was, they were filming, he was really worried. He went to the director and writer and said, I, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I'm not acting. You know, I'm just being there. And he was very worried that 
that he wasn't having any impact, he wasn't doing anything on the film. But at the end, and everyone who's seen this film remembers this, at the end where Babe completes his task and he comes over and he sits down next to Farmer Hoggett. And a shaft of sunlight comes down from the sky and illuminates the two of them perfectly. <laughs> exactly. And everyone is screaming and cheering in the stands. They get 10 out of 10 from every judge. And he looks down at Babe from his high height. And his eyes are glistening. I forgot. They're actually glistening with tears. And he says, that'll do, pig. That'll do. Like, oh my God, Isn't that God. just what you want your father to say to I you? Know, like, I know, I know. Just like, embrace you. Uh, I have tears running down my face when I watch that scene now. Oh, I know. I love it. I love it. But it is not... I'm, okay, now we're going to go back to what we were talking about, the tenderest scene in the movie where... Um, Babe has learned that he is a, a meat animal and he, he goes out into the night and like spends the night in a ditch in the rain or something and so the dogs come and find him and he's shivering and well yeah and and he won't eat or drink he's just so depressed and so uh, hoggett uh, is going to take him to the competition and it's only a day away or two days away and babe won't eat he won't sleep he's just lying like a big lump and farmer hoggett looks down at him and he begins to sing the song if i had words to make a day for you and then and he's nursing him with a bottle babe doesn't respond yet and then he gets up and as the music swells and he finishes singing he gets up and he dances he dances for babe yes (laughs) and he's he's this incredibly tall man in this old farmhouse and so his his, it's so effectively filmed yes his feet are just thumping on the floors and the floorboards are shaking and he's doing this old country folk style and kind he, of stomp. And he, and he twists in the air and they, they, they have a camera from the ceiling looking down and you see him leap up toward the camera and he and you see him turn in the air and he comes down. It's so beautiful. It's wonderful. And then it's so funny because he finishes the dance and he looks out the window and all the farm animals are standing in the window just staring at him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing when I first saw it. I laughed so hard. <laughs> and then Babe Babe accepts that and uh, begins to drink out of the bottle and uh, revives. Mm-hmm. And then begins to eat and everything. But that is, it's, it is the emotional uh, high point of the film, I think, the apex. It's so expressive. And, you know, aside from singing the, the little ditty, he doesn't, you know, say anything. He doesn't right. convince him with words. He just, he show, he makes himself vulnerable for yes. Harget by a dance like yeah he's a he's a serious somber kind of farm guy like. right that's why it's so funny when all the animals are kind of dead-eyed right. looking at him like what <laughs> exactly and the other thing is that again going back to the meat eating thing because it that's key in this scene is that it doesn't resolve it it's just farmer hoggett opening his heart and saying i love you and no and babe understanding that he's not going to get eaten so they can have a relationship right <laughs> that's enough <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah so it, so it's enough and and because it's so true and it was so sweet i loved it and really just some of the other bits uh to call out so there's a a little greek chorus of mice of three mice who they read the and it's so clever because they know this film was going to be it's rated g so it's going to be for young kids and a lot of kids who can't read or would not be able to read well enough to read the the uh, intertitles the intertitles yeah. on the screen so the way they solved that problem is they created these adorable three little mice and they'll come out and they will actually read the intertitle 
for you know before each chapter as well as popping in and singing a song every now and then or making a little comment and tittering and that would be their um, their function and it was a very very clever way to solve that issue yeah i don't know i love this movie and the themes are so run so deep because you you mentioned earlier and i was like oh yeah the theme about being inside and outside mm-hmm. because that's socially that's in the film a lot but then there's also the literal like which animals are allowed inside the house and which right. ones have to stay outside the house and you know eventually babe is allowed inside the house and yeah, because of the cat and the dog are allowed inside the house and he isn't and exactly so he earns the right so again that bridge he's a bridge from those farm animals that are the barn animals to the ones that are the inside the house animals yeah and then you also mentioned um Farmer, the Hoggetts' um, family that comes to visit them briefly, and uh, that's that's another theme because we talked about how um, letting go of your prejudice is a big theme of the movie, but also that inherently tends to have like a generational aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So there's the generation of uh, mother, like Fly and Babe, mother and child, and then the Hoggetts and their family comes and they bring them a fax machine that <laughs> they don't know how to use and are, you know, so the, they don't like just a it. little aspect there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to modernize or do any any things that they that they want to do. And the farm itself is is a treat to the eye. It's a beautiful fantasy farm, um, like you would dream of. Uh, oh, that's the farm I would want to live mm-hmm. on. It's so. The buildings are beautiful. The landscaping, just everything is is whimsical and beautiful. Yeah, and old-fashioned. And it's adorable how the doors are so narrow and low so that every time Farmer Hoggett has to go through a doorway, he has to to dip down like about five inches just to get through, you know. And and his wife, she she plays a a really pretty small role in this. Um, Now, when we move to Babe Pig in the City, uh, Farmer Hoggett is, he's only in it, I don't know if they couldn't afford James Cromwell, or maybe he had another commitment, yeah. so he just made an appearance for the sake like of being in it. Two minutes of screen time. About it. And so uh, the wife, and I, I don't know how to say her last name, the actress's first name is Magda, her second name is a long Polish name, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but she is Australian, and she is a, a very, I guess, famous comedic yeah. actor in Australia, but I had never heard of her before this. Apparently, she does a lot of like body positivity. Yeah, she's she's, she's fat and she's proud mm-hmm. and she says, "I like it. I think I look great." And um, she's yeah, she's yeah. she's she's very cool with it. And she's very out there. She's clearly willing to do anything for a comic effect. <laughs> and so, Babe Pig in the City is basically a sequel. They need money for the farm, and since Babe is so famous, if they make a personal appearance at some place. Uh, in some city, they can get a bunch of money and save the farm. And so that Farmer Hoggett has an accident, which is actually a fairly funny accident. Yeah. It's, oh, kind, it's of, kind of brutal. It uh, is kind of brutal, but it's kind of funny, Oh, my too. God. Should we tell them? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, he's, like, fixing the well, and Babe tries to look in and then ends up falling in and knocking the... Uh, whatever pump down onto farmer hoggett's <laughs> head but it's kind of brutal yeah but down on him and then it goes up and then they go down and yeah. then they, they hit and anyway so farmer hoggett is laid up uh healing and so the farm uh, uh mrs hoggett um esme that's a beautiful name anyway esme hoggett has to take babe to this 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 place and what happens is they got they get stopped along the way before they get there because babe is uh, basically treated as a pet, so he's in a carrier, and a sniffer dog decides to just show off and pre- and and bark 
and to show him what happens, you know, when he barks, which of course the dog doesn't know implies that there is illegal drugs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some kind of the contraband like illegal drugs. So they get pulled off and there is a, a apparently a strip search of. Uh, right. <laughs> there are all these little jokes in it that are very much. No for child the would audience. understand, but the, but the adults would get it. And so they miss their connecting flight and they miss the event and they miss the money. And so from there, all kinds of crazy, you know, they losing the money and uh, they end up staying in a place that gets closed down. And they're laid up in a city, um, whatever their layover city was, that's kind of a conglomeration of every capital every city of the city. world. <laughs> yeah. So clearly, I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't want to film on location and they didn't <laughs> really want to build like a realistic set. And so they just um, they leaned into the magical realism aspect or the surrealism aspect even. And so the city, you see shots of it with the Golden Gate Bridge and the Sydney Opera House and the... Yes. So it's very wacky. And, and I think this the sets, like the house that they stay in, are actually pretty neat. Oh, the sets are fantastic. Yeah. They really are. Basically, they stay at a hotel where no place will take an animal. And so she finally finds a place where she can go. And this place is full of animals. Like There's one room full of just cats who are singing. Yeah, that's that was weird. weird. I didn't get that. <laughs> and like then opera there, cats. And there are uh, tons of dogs all over the place and then babe ends up and there's a one room that has monkeys in it and these monkeys are owned apparently by the uncle of the woman who owns the house and this uncle is mickey rooney the actor <laughs> mickey rooney probably in the i didn't look up to see if this was his More last like role mickey pruney am i right yeah <laughs> he's very old in this role he's really really old and and his rough life shows he looks horrible and he i don't think he even says anything or maybe he says a couple of words and that's it so he's like a clown who has these monkeys who um are part of his act and they all wear clothes and of course the monkeys talk talk to babe and they you know they're voiced by various actors and i have to say it was just so disturbing to see mickey rooney he wasn't he wasn't funny he wasn't really acting he was just like like they wheeled him out in these costumes and he's just kind of there i don't know if he if he i don't know if he was an alcoholic at that time or not but certainly he had substance abuse issues as a young man maybe for a long time and you can see that in, yeah. his, in his physique. That's another another aspect of the movie where in the original Babe, there's a good mixture of the, the sort of dark underlying real adult world theme mm-hmm. and then, you know, what the movie actually is, which is a touching story and stuff. And in this one, there's these, those elements of darkness, but they're not really mixed in they're not, very yeah, well. They're not they just sublimated kind of float on the surface and kind of, like you said, disturbing. They can be disturbing or kind of sad or like... Cause yeah, he dies. Right. Yeah, he dies in it. And the thing well, is... is perform, they perform at a children's hospital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the other thing is, is that he is... I think, I could be wrong, that they were trying to present him as, you know, a clown, a sad clown, but not as a, as a decrepit wasteland of a man that he looks like. And so it, it just really does not come off well. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he die, He goes to the hospital, whatever, and the daughter leaves to be with him and to help him, whatever it is she does. And so the house is just full of unattended animals. Right. Well, because um, Mrs. Hoggett is out looking for Babe because he right. went missing and then finds his way back. Right. She he went, And she's in jail, and that that's just all kind of yeah. uninteresting stuff. But yeah, So the ha- and so the animals need food. And so then it becomes a survival thing. 
I don't know if we need to go into all the vagarities of the plot because I don't really find this movie that interesting. It didn't hang together well. It it did take a lot of the elements that were in the first movie and expand on them, but in a way that just doesn't work like the first one Mm -hmm. does. No, it doesn't have the heart. I mean, it tries to have the heart. Yeah. But, you know, part of it is that in the first film, and I don't know for sure how to attribute this, but Chris Noonan and George Miller who, again, as I said, reminding you, Mad Max, Fury Road, they wrote it together, and then Chris Noonan directed it. Well, they had a falling out, and apparently even during the filming, James Mm. Cromwell said there was a lot of tension between the two of them. Mm. And Chris Noonan felt that George Miller was trying to take all the credit for Babe, and George Miller says, well, I never meant da-da-da, but, you know, it was handed to Chris on a platter, da-da-da-da-da. So clearly they're... There's a split. That's interesting. And so in For Babe, Pig in the City, it was George Miller and two other people I've never heard of um, who adapt, who wrote it, and George Miller directed it. Now, George Miller, as we know, I mean, come on, Mad Max, anybody who's seen any of those films knows he is crazy for the chase. So this film, a large bulk of it is are chases where Babe is being chased by vicious dogs and various tricks and chains that get wrapped around bridges and dogs hang down and they're falling and running into things and getting stuck and narrow escapes. And so there's a lot of that. None of it is particularly clever. Yeah, because that's what I was so confused about. I read a whole article before watching rewatching this movie mm-hmm. um, where somebody says, you know, oh yeah, the same director as Mad Max and you can really see how that translates. And like, even though it's a pig and a dog, it's still an amazing chase and stuff. And I just didn't feel that way. No. It was, I mean... It was shot competently. Oh yeah. It just, but it hit every note that you expect a chase scene yeah. like that yeah. to hit. Well, the, the dog is running with a chain around its neck and you go, okay, I know that because there's this, this straight thing on the back of the chain, that dog is going to get caught on a light pole. And it's the next thing that happens. You, I know that there's two dogs on the same chain. They're going to run, and the chain's going to catch something, and they're both going to, you know, you knew exactly what was going to be happening with these things. But, yeah, it wasn't interesting at all. It wasn't like Mad Max, which are, those films are all so inventive, especially Fury Road, which I adore. Um, but when I was watching it, I was thinking of a much better chase scene that takes all the tropes and uses all the tropes, but does it so cleverly and so interestingly, and that's The Wrong Trousers. Mm -hmm. Wallace and Gromit, The Wrong Trousers, is a claymation, um, stop action, uh, about half hour long short. I I, I assume people are familiar with this. It was an Academy Award winner, and it is a has a fantastic chase scene in it, where it's the same kind of thing, like farcical chase. Yeah, but they the the way he uses the tropes and it's exciting, it's funny, it's very very clever and very engaging. And this did not meet that, so I would recommend Wallace yeah. and Gromit. Instead. Actually, that is a good alternative. Yeah, watch The Wrong Trousers after you watch Babe if you want. But as you were saying, they tried to bring the same tropes in but they didn't work. And one of those is that idea of cooperation. and Right. There's, I, I would say even more explicitly, there's communist like theme or reference in parts of this movie, at least. So when they're um, starving in the hotel, they go out looking for food. The monkeys bring back some like jelly beans from a candy shop. And because of the chase scene that happened, Babe is suddenly like seen as this merciful, great guy. And everybody's like, we should do what Babe has to say. Well, um, actually... Not not everybody at first. At first, it's just the one really mean dog who says everybody's going to listen to the boss. Now, Babe is the boss. Right. And he's going to be the dictator. He's going to say what's going to happen. And this dog is mean and is going to be the enforcer. Right, exactly. And the dog 
uh, turns because he was chasing Babe and Babe saves his life. And now he's like, yeah, y'all listen up now. Um, and Babe being innocent and everything is like, well, I think everyone should line up and we'll just all have one jelly bean and we'll go down the line and that way it's fair for everyone. And so they do do that. But I thought they were going to run with that plot line a lot more. I really yeah. wanted to see the conflict between, I wanted to see the animal farm style conflict between mm-hmm. the animals come up and everything. But then this group of humans comes in, just captures all the animals and it just turns back into an action adventure. Right. And saving and trying to rescue the animals and so forth. Exactly. And so it, it's interesting because... Uh, they write it in such a way where instead of Babe becoming the ameliator and the communicator and the bridge, he becomes almost without his own, the dictator. The dog demands that he wears his collar and he places him on this pedestal and he says, okay, we're going to do what the boss says. And he's going to bite anybody who doesn't do what the boss says. And so Babe is like, it's out of Babe's control, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dog is... Uh... Maybe because he's a dog, he needs like a, a leader, a yeah. boss, but, but he's really the one who's yeah instigating everything. And, and requiring that they, I mean, whatever, if Babe says something, then they have to do it. And so it, it doesn't have the same feeling of of Yeah, because it's never addressed. Babe is never like, this isn't what I want. Let's right. all decide together, you right. know, or anything. Right. They exactly. just kind of drop that. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then there's a, then there's another big, long, ugh too long uh, the chase scenes were too long or a couple of those and then there's one where Ismay she ends up being in a clown wearing the clown suit that the dead Mickey Rooney was wearing <laughs> and her pants blow up and they're at a big ball with all these fancy people and all the animals invade because the animals are all hungry and she reunites with babe and it just, I don't even so. remember what happened it's just like <laughs> she's swinging from chandeliers yeah. and people are like ah and tables are falling over and blah blah, blah and just, balloons and baby monkey there's a baby monkey being thrown around that's soft and tender and yeah oh twin baby monkeys right <laughs> and the twin baby monkeys are clearly animatronic and ugly yeah. uh, really ugly they're not, not cute at cute. all unfortunately and so and then there's stars and there's lights and, and balloons all these blue balloons and i don't even know it was kind of mad. i mean that was out of all the action scenes that is the best action scene in the movie in my opinion it is but I, I i found it boring it's and kind of madness long. and i think they and you know being in that fancy gala and everything so there's that class contrast where they're mm-hmm. like oh these dirty animals and stuff but but you know that's not very interesting they don't actually do anything interesting with it yeah um and then and you know the end that, that gets everything to hush down and reunite is that the baby monkey's in peril hanging from the ceiling and uh and everybody's like oh my god it's gonna die and then they catch the baby monkey and that's the end that's the resolution of the movie it's yeah it's kind of cheap it was it was not satisfying so i actually don't recommend this one i mean i do recommend it for kids i Mm -hmm. think kids will love it Mm -hmm. i think that it'll be it'll be fun and fresh for them but i have to say i did not really care for the film myself and i was i was bored for a lot of it Here's the other thing. I don't know if it's because maybe they had so many more animals in this one or if they had a lower budget or if it was because of tensions on set or whatnot, but like I could not stop as an adult looking at how in the first Babe, they're very generous with the animals and their expressions and them talking and things like that. But in this one, it was like very clearly shot to avoid having to do so much CGI on the animals' faces to like not have them talking on screen very much. And so it's a shot from far away with a voiceover or what have you. I can't imagine that it's cost because Babe was a huge hit, made lots of right. money. So I'm sure they had a very good budget. So I don't know why that was. So that, that like frust- I just couldn't not pay attention to that because then it felt yeah. less immersive and it felt less genuine or direct yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
and then and the scene that's supposed to be like the emotional scene when the twin baby monkeys are born and all the animals in the house start singing they bring back the theme the yeah na, 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 and so they all sing it together it felt kind of manipulative or not not like purposefully malignantly manipulative of your emotions but they keep bringing that theme back and it felt lazy it felt like they're yeah just like insert emotional beat here well especially since they didn't build they didn't really build the emotion the carefully. relationships yeah. yeah they didn't the way they did with bay were very carefully built so then the music is associated with the work they did and the build and yeah you're right it's lazy to take something that everybody's seen babe so we just take that very tender wonderful scene with the farmer take the soundtrack and just shove it in here and then it will elicit mem you know an emotional memory yeah which uh, it, the film had not earned yeah so I, you know, Babe, as I said, five out of five for me. I think I, I think I've downgraded Babe, Pig in the City to two stars yeah. out of five. Uh, I'm two, two and a half if yeah. it's only kids watching it. Yeah, if it's know? kids watching it, three, three, three stars for kids. I recommend it for kids because yeah. I think kids, I think kids will like it. I think it's fine. Lots of animals. They're yeah. cute. They do hijinks. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the mice There's are in it. There's some good messages about cooperation. Yeah. You know. And being kind, Babe's still kind and everything like that, and it's cute. But yeah, so those—that's how we view Babe, Pig in the City, or Babe, Babe, basically <laughs> the the extended universe of Babe. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, the themes of socialism, themes of dictatorship, of being yeah. in and being out, toxic masculinity, all encompassed. It's so good. Yeah, Babe, Babe is so good. It is so good. It's so much. Rewatch in it. Babe. I don't know. I'm gonna cry every time I watch it in my life now, and I will watch it many more times. I know. It's so it's so tender. All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another podcast about things we love and don't love. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. If I had words to make a day for you, I'd sing you a morning golden and new. I'd make this day last for all time and sing you an evening flush with moonshine. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us out an email to foiblespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Grand